I started a job last week and I've been trying to do really well at it. And there is such a thing as overdoing things. And uh, I may have done everything else perfectly, but left the front door of the building unlocked <laughs> last night. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so, yeah, because spring break is coming and a lot of us work up there um, and it's going to get pretty weird. There's going to be thralls of young people uh, clamoring over each other like hordes of zombies. Yeah. And uh, I'm just bracing for it. Um, and, and yeah. You gotta understand, Josh sells Josh peddles uh, nicotine. <laughs> yes, and yeah. Justin and I pedal alcohol. Uh-huh. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck kids and their fake IDs. Yeah, every yeah. time, like one of the best ones I've ever seen is like kid came in with like a really fake ID, right? And he, I swear to God, he was wearing like a T-shirt that said his graduating class. It was like two years ago from high school, right? <laughs> and. Uh, uh, like my guy that was at the check-in desk at the time, like turns around and is like, "Oh, hey, you want to look at this?" The kid turns around and just bolts. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm gonna start threatening. Like, you need to go, or I'm gonna eat this. What? The ID. I'm gonna eat the ID. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this. Okay, well, I'm letting you know now. If you do that, I'm not letting you go home home early for any like bodily injuries you sustain yeah. from doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's your own. You can deal with that on your break. <laughs> also, let's talk about that dynamic. Uh, Justin is uh, my manager at the place that we work together. But, um, I control your voice. I know. Oh, yeah. They're just like power struggle. <laughs> so I like, could, I'm going to go through and I'm going to like pitch shift you and time shift you to make you sound real stupid. <laughs> well, well, that's fine. Prepare for every fucking playlist at work to contain Bomb Seeger. No! <laughs> no the the world! <laughs> we'll bleep it out. Fucking sound dude. We'll bleep it out. We don't have to know. I'll just fucking tweet it. Whatever. Fuck it. I'll tell the world. Yeah. I can't stand Bob Seeger. Yeah. I don't well, know why. Just no, can't I stand can agree him. with that. Can't stand Bob Seeger. Well, that's because you're a fucking communist. I hear, <laughs> I hear old time rock and roll kick on and I just <sighs> get real punchy. Bum, 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 bum. Stop it. Yeah. No, I, well, I, when you hear yeah. like a motorcycle rev at the end of the street and then it just turns up to like 55. Yeah. And you look mm. over, it's that middle aged dude with a fucking gut the size of Texas. Mm-hmm. My old lady on the back here. Ryan yeah. Hulk Hogan oh. skullet. Wearing a fucking like <laughs> cut off t-shirt that says the bitch fell off. Or oh, oh Jesus God. Christ. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Yesterday. Oh, I've got one for you. So it's super <laughs> dead, right? And I come into work and I'm like, hey boss, I'm super anxious, but I'm not doing a good job at hiding it. It's glaringly obvious. Look at my face. It's green with anxiety. How is everything? He goes, oh, it's fine, man. It's good. It's good. You know, I'm going to ignore obviously how anxious you are and try to make you feel better by staying real chill and mm-hmm. so we're sitting there in this unspoken agreement and we're both <laughs> looking out of the front door and it's dead as a doornail and in comes these two people and have you ever seen the movie can't hardly wait <laughs> uh no no okay well seth <laughs> no. green's in it and he plays this homie g type that's like straight out of high school and he's trying way too hard mm-hmm. so these three guys come in and they immediately now it's like it's like one in the afternoon and there's no one outside there's no partying going on there's like elderly people rolling down the street (laughs) and like pigeons that's it right now hell yeah and they go they come in 
and the dude has a visor on upside down and turned sideways with Jinkos <laughs> on, like Jinkos from the 90s, no joke. And he's like, yo, 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 what's up, guys? Where the <laughs> girls at? Where the girls at? Yo, where can I be chucking those fat motherfucking clowns? <laughs> and we just looked at each other. And we didn't laugh or anything. We just looked at each other and we could tell there was this agreement that both <sighs> both of us, there was nothing inside anymore. We both died that day. We no. died completely. And we just looked at him and we were like, right, right. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Just, can I help you? Just roll a CBD pen at yeah. him and hope he gets distracted. Yeah. We just, yeah. He just kept talking and we just kept looking at him and his friends were just face palming and like trying to look away. And um, we just stared at him until he just kind of got real quiet. And then he just calmly walked off. And this is the thing. As he walked off, his tone was totally different. He goes, all right, well, you guys have you guys have a good day. (laughs) And we were just like, what the fuck? Happened. I want to anyway. bring it back over to uh, uh, musical confessions, dude, because like I just got to get this out. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Every time Billy Idol comes out, man, like on the radio or anything like, mm. oh, I fucking rebel well. yell in pain, dude. I hate that shit. You hate Billy Idol? I fucking hate huh. that shit, man. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's fine. I don't like I Billy mean, Idol either. It's a hit or a miss. With a rebel yell. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just. <laughs> yeah. I can't get into it. I just can't do it. I mean, I, it, it, you don't it has think it's... to be the right mood for yeah. Billy Idol. It you has can't to just actually be listen. a nice day for a white wedding. Yes. Yeah. I, now, that song, I'll be damned if I haven't played that before all two of the weddings I've gone to in my life. <laughs> of course. I feel like that, was, <laughs> that song was okay in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas when you're like you know what? leaping off bridges and shit. But like beyond that, I just I can't listen to, to it in real life. Maybe I'm just never in that mood. Man, I love that game. Me too, I, dude. I just I just don't like it. I don't think he's a good musician. Okay, don't add us on well, Twitter. <laughs> well, we start an all-out fucking war today. What do we do us. on this podcast? <laughs> we play games in I a fictional universe. Yeah. And we play games with our lives. Wait, was that like my cue? Or did you want Yeah, because yeah, that's six minutes of cold open. I think we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you were literally like con- like confused and like asking, like, what do we do? Um, where am I? <laughs> what year is it? What the fuck's it? going on? Zach, we decorated the apartment. My object permanence is fucked. Dude, that There's a tablecloth like, on the wall. <laughs> yeah, right. man. I've, I've done some actually, wild shit today. There is. I painted a tower. Uh, the tower. Uh, I painted my tower. Um, I painted the table a really pretty, like, bronze metallic color. You like and, that, Justin? And then you put a tablecloth like over it. Also, Zach. You don't has, like it? <laughs> I can't see it. You prefer the baby shit green tiles with, like, the fucking cheap wood? Is that what you fucking prefer, I mean, Justin? I'll strip this paint off with fucking acetone. I don't give a fuck, Justin. It's you. Ferta. I mean, okay. you, you painted it easy. and then put the tablecloth on <laughs> yeah, it and so yesterday it was still sticky and I couldn't even look at it because the tablecloth was attached to the table yes. no. <laughs> Zach has covered <laughs> the pink throne <laughs> with what appears to be a purple tablecloth the lavender throne now boyos oh god <laughs> alright let's do this let's okay, get this okay. <laughs> um, this is Secret Earth Podcast this is a Secret Hearth podcast. We're continuing okay. our game of Lavinlin. Um, I'm Zachariah. I'm joined by Madeline. That's me. I'm Snake Boy. <laughs> Snakes and drugs. Snakes and drugs. That's my whole life. <laughs> Josh. That's me. I play very soft, sad boy. Hell yeah. 
Justin. You thought I was going to go oh. to you, Patrick. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's me. If you can't tell by my voice, you know, that's me. I play a, uh, a short, baldy, beardy, drunk, <laughs> punk priest, dude. And that's Kid. the whole cast. So, <laughs> God, Echo died off screen. Um, Patrick, I mean, Patrick, that suck. <laughs> uh, I'm Patrick. That's me. I I'm hey. the, the the sound boy, and I also play um, a sentient pinecone. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's cool, guys. We got a lot to do, so we're just gonna just jump uh, oh. right into it. Is everybody ready? Yep. No. Yeah. I'd say I'm about 40% I'm there. I'm scared. Yep. You should be scared, Josh. <sighs> Day two in Sunbeam. It's morning. About a mile and a half outside the walls, the curved wooden walls of Sunbeam, is a gentle rolling grove of pink and lavender grass and twisted, knotty, dark trees. It's a clearing, a woad, if you would. Standing across from each other are two figures. <clears throat> One wearing a emerald green long coat. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Dark skin, save for the tattoos that cover his body. It's emerald ether hide. The other is a gnome. <laughs> Three red braids. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Not really important. It's, it's just fucking. <laughs> just here's the fucking here's race of this guy. Um, three red braids, shield on his back, crystal sword in his hands, bare feet wrapped in leaves. It's dawn. Too early. What are the two of you doing? Um. Well, I imagine. Well. What I would want to be happening is we're trying to figure out the crystal sword. That's what I want. I want to figure out this fucking crystal sword. He also said you'd tell me how to you'd tell me how to use a uh, shield. So you know, I like so uh, now it's the fucking time, bitch. Pay Uh, up. Oh wow. Okay. (laughs) Wow. See, like essentially a bill collector right now. Yes. Um, okay. I haven't gotten into right. step three yet, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> how, how do you how do you want to go about this? Just standing <laughs> in the middle of the ground, like the sword out, like, uh, <laughs> like listen. <laughs> Okay, so I figured that you would swing the sword and do literally anything with the sword, and okay. we could, Gw- you know, Gwydian, Gwydian figure it out. The sword at you. Oh shit! Hell yeah! Charge up and swing the sword. Are you trying to hit him? Yes, trying to stab me with the sword. I'll see if I can use a shield, which I can. What what shield are you using? The mirror shield. Oh yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess make an attack roll, Gwydian. Okay. And you have your shield up, so that's a plus two to your... So, I don't know how to use shields. Yeah, you don't have proficiency, so... <laughs> what does that do? Doesn't that uh, do You something? only get, um, I think, a plus one bonus. Oh, that makes sense. To defense. Yeah. Man, I, I have another character you? that is uh, specifically a knight in the po- yeah. uh, like outside the podcast. He's, he's a knight. Doesn't have shield proficiency. Holy shit. Mm. But he's a real big boy. Madeline, what is it with you and training scenes where you want us to actually harm your character? 
because that's the only way you figure out if you're good or not because you have to be able to get past the emotional hurdles of this is a living human being and now I have to kill them the best way to do that is with a friend (laughs) (laughs) I remember that time you were teaching me how to rogue yeah and you're just like fucking stab me and then you did yeah I did and then you learned how to stab Mm mm-hmm um, that's 18. Not a chance. <laughs> well, um, so I really don't know how to hold this fucking shield, but it is a magical shield. I, I don't, I don't know. Does it have like straps on the back? Do I have to hold on to it? It's, it's, <laughs> wait, so you don't Justin know if dying. it hits or not. No, 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 it doesn't. Okay. Even with with okay. or without the shield. Right. But I don't know how to hold, how does, what does they're the like, shield look like? They're like angular metal bars. <laughs> right. Okay. You like hook your arm through them. Yeah. Uh, I just have my, this image in my head of, of uh, Emerald holding it out like a giant plate <laughs> on the edges. Yeah. And right. And swinging. Both and like, hands. Emerald constantly getting his fingers nicked while he's trying to like shield good. Yeah. yeah just smashing his fingers. <laughs> Just throwing it out. Well, since it doesn't hit, I'm imagining Gwydion oh, holding his sword with afterwards. That would take two hands, though. Fuck, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, like, trips over his own sword. They're both just out there, like, just falling around. Like, not even touching each other. Yeah. This We're is, just totally This is Yaddle's greatest hope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> They're just running in clothes, lining each other simultaneously yeah. for, like, hours on Holy end. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, so try... Not what you just did. Well, I mean, I tried to hit you, um, okay, but well, you're holding the shield he, wrong. So how do first I hold off, it? You didn't tell me. Okay. I've only had, I've only got one arm. Okay. That's really a fully functioning arm. So. So I think please. we need to take a step back and go back to the foundations of this. So the shield, as you can see, there's two straps behind it. Yes. You need to put your arm through those straps. Or do I have to like hold on to them? I'm assuming. I don't know what type of shield this is. I don't I'm either. I'm assuming it's like... It's like metal hook bars, right? Yeah. So is you, it metal hook bars? You could feasibly rest it Okay, so arm. that... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll redact that. But yeah, you know, you need to rest it on your arm. Okay, cool. It I'll needs to be that. an extension of yourself. Um, wow, that's really uh, philosophical for something that, uh, you know, it's not even noon yet, so well, take is, a step back, Gwydion. I haven't, yes, I'm not that awake yet either, but do you, you wanted this, and I... Yes. So, it was never pleasant for me either, learning. Um, Beatrice was never soft on me. Um, I'll do my best here, but always remember, if you're going to use this... You're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting your party, your friends, your family, your land. And so, for me, wielding a shield symbolizes more than just the self. It has to be instinctual, um, an extension of yourself, like I said. So, rest it on your arms and we'll go again. Alrighty. Okay. Um, I want to try to deck Gordian in the face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? With what hand exactly? I thought, can, I re- can I rest it on my left arm? Or do, do I have to hold it? That's can, what I'm trying to get at here. I think I think Gwydion shows you yeah, the proper I, I show like, you way to do this. And you're okay. you're able to figure out, like, yeah, you can use this on your left arm. Cool. So, so my left arm is completely fucking useless now. 
Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so you guys clash back and forth um, yeah. for another half hour, hour or so. Cool. Um, and you're you're trying to land a, a particular hit, I think, halfway through this, like, skirmish in the woad. Um, at this point, like, breasts are starting to get heavy. Um, sweats are starting to come, especially so early in the morning and being exhausted from last night. Hell yeah. Um, I guess make an, make an attack roll with this shield. With the shield? Is that what you're saying? Or are you, oh, I was just going to punch him, him in the face. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, why not? Oh, 18. Is that... I, I don't think either of us can actually hit each other is the oh, problem. Interesting. No, yeah. It doesn't make Yeah, sense. okay. Huh. So Drat. there's like this push and pull where like halfway through this sort of <laughs> training session, you guys are starting to, to um, realize how much of a match you guys are in terms of like being able to function and like your training um just in different shades so i think that's an interesting little mm-hmm. reveal um it keeps going keeps going um getting closer to noon now the sun getting higher it's starting to get um much hotter out and you can see that the trees around this woad like i don't i don't know if you have seen these sort of species at least not often but like they're they're blossoming to the reacting to as the sun gets high and they're puffing out these like little blossoms of purple and pink bulbs that are like starting to drip with this weird clear liquid um, that's sort of catching light and sending rays of it around and across um, the woad itself, which makes for an interesting battlefield. Um, Fun. Are you guys doing anything else? How's it going? I was going to say, look, I'll... Do you want to continue or? Okay, so obviously we're getting fucking nowhere with this. <laughs> so let's. What do you know about the sword? Oh, you don't. Okay, I mean we can. Well, let's we just you know too. let's yeah, go over break, the. We can break from this. Yeah, um, the sword I've noticed has this connection to my ancestors and to Veermore. Um, and it seems like, it seems like it is inhabited in that way. Like things indwell in it, like my ancestors in some way, there's some connection there, but every time I try to use it, it seems kind of like it's held back. Um, I can't figure out how to push past that. Did you, um, so you were raised in this, uh, in, in Veermore, the woods, did you choose to be a bard, or was this, uh, you, you know, you were born to be a bard situation? Um, I chose to be a bard. Why? Because I always enjoyed, I spent a lot of time around the Institute. Um, I could have made pottery, I could have learned how to weave, I could have just studied, um, Many things, but language and instilling inspiration and all of those things that come with it really appealed to me. So I told my dad that that's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I did. And then I also decided to take up the oath and be a knight and train with Beatrice. And those things from where I'm from are kind of coupled together. You could be one or the other, or you could be both. It just kind of depended on how you wanted to 
protect Fearmore and protect those values. Um, but that was the decision I made. Okay. Tell me about Beatrice. Who the Beatrice fuck is Beatrice? Was, Beatrice was my trainer. She was my coach, my mentor. Um, Beatrice was had the temperament of stone. Beatrice was always striding from the battlefield, always victorious, always calm, no matter what the situation. Um, she was never easy on me, but she was always patient. Like I said, she was like a stone. She was unmovable. Okay, try to hit me with a sword again. Okay. Uh, Gwydion holds up the crystal sword. Um, and then just kind of under his breath, just says Beatrice Bloodroot, strong woman striding from the battlefield, and then kind of brings it up um, and charges at E. Mm. I'm going to try to hit E. Okay. Mm, yeah, 18. 18, nope. yeah. yeah. It, uh, you kind of pull through and E starting to get sort of a hang for this shield sidesteps. His footwork's actually starting to get better even from this this short um, wow. <laughs> stint. You can tell he's sort of like pushing his martial prowess into this and starting to sort of become acclimated. And you pull through on this this hit and he glances the blade off to the side um, as he moves the shield to his side. And as you come to a stop with him behind you and look down the edge of the blade, you can see it like swell with um, what looks like dew for a moment. And then you realize that it's the sword itself, not so much something outside it. It's angular, like a like a bubble that's come up. Um, and it looks like it's starting to like almost build pressure, but then it just sort of starts to simmer out. Like it just starts to reshape. And that sort of like weird angular dew that's sprouting from it um, forms back into the blade. Hmm. That was good. That was good, E. That was some nice footwork. Oh, well, thank you. It appears that I can learn things. I think you can. I think you can. Um, okay. Tell me, um, can I see the dew on the sword? Did I see that at all? I don't think so, because he okay. proceeded past you. Okay, cool. Yeah. I The sword seemed to drip with something just now, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's my focus, or maybe I'm not... I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying the right things, but I don't think it's really about saying the right things. I think it's about there's something else going on. Whenever um, you decided to read my mind... What uh, what exactly did you see? Let's have that conversation right here, right now, because it's sort of gnawing away at my insides. So yeah, I wanted you to know, talk if you want to, if you want to tell me, no, I, I wanted to talk about it. Um, I saw a lot of things. I saw a weird hand, um, like a gauntlet of some type. Um, I saw a lot of faces that I I don't think I I know of um, places I've never been uh, a place that was hot washed out um, there was a a person 
very pale, like ivory. Um, and there was a jewel, an emerald jewel. Um, it's all faded now a little bit in my memory, but I remember that much. Why? Um, so I understand that I'm a difficult person to get along with and I don't share literally anything at all. And that's frustrating. Um, but what were you hoping to find in this scenario? Just a straightforward answer or do you think you got your answer? I don't really remember why. <laughs> like, I don't remember what prompted me to do that. There was something suspicious or weird going on. <clears throat> I mean, I thought it was just like a knee jerk reaction to some bullshit that fucking E was doing. Yeah. Yeah. There was something so was like, yeah, yeah, there was something you did E and I, I honestly can't remember it, but that sometimes it can be very difficult. And for a minute there, I think maybe I thought something was going on mm. and I was alarmed by it. And I thought maybe dipping into your mind for a minute and gleaning some insight that way would help. But it turns out that maybe I should have just trusted you more. And for that, I'm sorry. Um, I'm a bit paranoid now. Um, maybe a bit too paranoid. But I guess it comes from a place of knowing that you speak kind of naive and a little bit too innocent. And so... I guess for a moment there, I mistrusted you. Um, that's why I feel so bad about it, is I should have trusted you all along. There is really no reason to, to do that. I could have just asked you. Well, chances are I probably wouldn't have actually told you the truth, because that's sort of my knee-jerk reaction. Well, to... maybe some things aren't for everyone to know. Uh, try to hit me with that sword again. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, you just um, just go with it, okay? Just just fucking right. roll with it. <laughs> you, you want me to really try to hit you with the yes, sword? Yes, really try to hit me with the sword. You want me to use... Okay, okay. all right. You try to hit me with the sword. I don't know. I, <laughs> a real I, sword? <laughs> a, re, a real sword. <laughs> a real? You want me to... <laughs> a, real, a real sword. First, a real sword? Um, <laughs> a, real, a real sword? <laughs> Okay. Oh, are you going to put Boy, some yeah. magic spin on there? No, with that face oh, you just okay. making right now. This face you're making, stop. I'm excited. I'm I want you to anything. stab me. No, I'm just going to try to stab you with the sword. Okay, Gwydion's just going to kind of, he's not going to say anything dramatic. He's not going to go on some rant. Gwydion just visualizes his dad running that pottery through his hands and thinks of his mother baking that bread, the dark bread, cutting it in the woods. And then he clenches the sword and, you know, tries to hit E. Uh, 19. Nope. Yeah. Drat. This time you go for the other side, um, putting, <laughs> putting, <laughs> putting your training into use um, against larger foes. I mean, that's kind of what, what Beatrice, her, her main martial training was about, was, was knowing that others know that you're small and and putting different um different cunning practices uh into effect and you go low and try to aim for the legs and 
E comes down and the blade skirts along the side again, the opposite side this time. E kind of has to struggle to move over and actually guard this time, but he does properly. And as soon as the blade, the crystal sword, clatters against the shield, and that sort of metal echo reverberates through the woad and it brushes up against the trees and it sounds like a like a um like a chime and a clash in that moment and then there's something else like just a whisper in the echo of the metal the last birds run from winter and you hear it like bounce off the trees and into your ears that's fun oh did you get anything that time um yes that was weird did you hear that in the woods not at all. <laughs> there's voice. There's a voice. There's a voice. I definitely heard a voice outside of the sword, like somewhere. And then Gwydion's going to kind of scan the woods. And Fern's slowly reaching. I can't hear this, right? You didn't hear anything. No. <laughs> well, do you see anything? I don't see or? anything, but I'm still hearing things, little pieces. Well, it could be the sword. You know, I mean, he said yeah, it's an ancestral thing, so I'm sure that there are lots of feelings and emotions that other people have felt that are also in the sword. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, so that, uh... That the reason why I was dancing around the whole deal with the orchestra and the issue of them coming and killing us all. Um, well, obviously, I don't want everyone to get hurt here for something I fucked up with. Um, but also, the, the that man you saw, his name's Ivory, and he lives in Moonchalia. And that also is where the head of the orchestra happens to be somewhere. And I got worried for a moment that they would find out there was um, that uh, some sort of connection between us and kill him. And he wouldn't even know why. And it'd just be, you know, another another long story of E gets everyone hurt that he loves. Um... Which, so, you didn't see anything else in my, in my head, though, right? Not that I remember. Um, I'm sorry about your friend. I hope you find your way back to him. Well, I'll... If I don't die here, <laughs> I'm, uh... I'm going to go find him, and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Probably soon, but, um, it sort of brings me to my next point of I'm going to call in this favor that I told you that you owed me for sort of, like, crawling into my mind. I think that's very fair. Um, so I'm going to tell you something. Okay. And I don't want you to tell anyone else. That's, that's the favor. I need you to not tell anyone anything okay can can you do that is that a thing that you can yes, actually do i give you my word i won't say anything to anyone else so i sort of think that they've got a point that uh that zale and 
maybe Murdoch and everyone else, I think they're kind of, they're kind of right. I mean, like, think of all the shit that's happened, like all the culmination of all the history here, and it just keeps getting layered and layered and layered. I mean, that's basically what I am. I'm just layers of history, and I don't even know if... I've actually made a genuine decision that's my own or it's based on somebody else in history. Um, I sort of agree with the the wipe the slate thing, you know, clean sort of deal. I don't agree with randomly killing everyone, but... You know, I agree with them. What you, th- what you thinking, Josh? You're just sitting over there nodding your head. <laughs> Is that what Gwydion's doing? That's not nodding. That's shaking. Shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you the mom disapproval shake. It also um, looked from my side less like a, a negatory shake and more like a convulsion. <laughs> Gwydion's. I don't think that that's. How do you say it amongst your people? I think that's bullshit. <laughs> Okay. I don't think that that's... I think that you're better than that. I don't think that... You realize what you're saying. Well, what am I saying then, Gwydion? I mean, if that's how you really feel, then I guess you should probably... Walk your ass down to that cave and go sleep with that dragon. How would you try to hit me with that sword again? Yeah, I could do that now. <laughs> uh, and then Gwydion throws his shield down and takes his sword and <laughs> and he pulls out a gun. <laughs> he pulls out a Glock. Yeah, I've got a semi-auto handgun in my pocket. No big deal. Blah, blah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a swing at E. Cool. Yeah, that's like a six. Um, uh, yeah, nine. I'm going to let him hit me. Oh. Okay. What happens? Gwydion, I think there's a moment here where you see his guard drop. And if you want to, you can you can choose to, to not follow through. But I'm, I'm giving you that option because I think Gwydion himself has enough time to react here. Do you want to hurt E? No, I'm gonna throw my sword. I'm gonna throw my sword down, but I'm gonna pop him in the in the bottom of the jar. With Jesus bomb. Christ! <laughs> I'm gonna basically gotcha. smack him in the face. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he comes charging at you, and as soon as you drop your guard, he like matches your motion and flips the sword around and slams into um, your jaw with the pommel. And for a second, you you see stars and you. <laughs> You feel like that black fade at the top of your vision and you you sort of stumble away from him at an angle and finally right yourself. Um, yeah, you got you got bopped. Yeah. Don't you ever fucking lie to me and try to stoke my flames. That wasn't a we lie. We have enough to deal with than playing games like that. Uh, what do you I know help? you're trying to help and get a rise out of me to see if something happens with this sword, but we don't have to do that. I appreciate the help. But don't toy with my emotions like that. It is fair. I toyed with yours. I got in your head. I'm, uh, so... 
I, I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm I'm not lying. I I think some things need to change here. I don't really agree with, you know, the other side wholeheartedly, but I definitely think that we're stuck in a continuous cycle of history repeating itself. We're not really making any progress. I think that that's a, a long game. I think that we have to, and Gwydion, like, sticks his sword in the ground. Like, Why didn't you stab me with the sword? Because I caught on. I knew you're just, you're toying with me. You're trying to get me to... I don't think the sword would do anything in that situation. I don't know. I well, think I just need to use it more. I need to participate more with it. I'm holding back too much. I hold back too much. I keep thinking if I say the right things or something, it's going to pull something out of it. And I don't think it works like that. If my ancestors are really in the sword like that, if they're dwelling there, um, then it's there's still people. There's still beings. It's not some Santa Claus I can just call up at the right verbiage. That's not fair to them either. They're still there, so I need to talk to them like they're there. It doesn't have to be smooth words. It's family. So they're there. And I, I think I learned that today in a way. And so you did help me. But I think that truly, if, if you feel that way about things, I think that maybe we need to talk about that a little more because this is a long game and it's not just about dragons. It's about the thing that eats away at this entire world. And it will still be here after we're long dead mm -hmm. and flowers sprout from our corpses. It's a long game. We're just building stones for the others to step upon. So it does feel hopeless. But that's what the dawn is. You know, I mean, it's that's why I say that it's not some meaningless thing, some motto that's long dead. It's the long game of hope and hope you can't look at directly. It's like a star. If you look at it head on, you can't see it. You have to look to the side. We have to build to it. So I know it feels shitty right now and you're a long way from the people you love. And I know it seems like there's no hope in this land and everything seems to be dying and entropy around us. And every single day it gets shittier and shittier. But one day it won't be like that. But just like my institute's fallen, hopefully Marley can set the first stones there again, the cornerstones. And that's what we're doing, laying the foundation. So I'm going to go back now and I'm going to smoke a cigarette. And I'm going to get some fucking coffee because I'm tired. But I appreciate this, E. I know it feels shitty, but I think you helped me today and hopefully I helped you. Are you sure you want to put that much pressure on Marley? I did. I, I did hear what you were saying. Though. I don't know yet. I don't Regardless know. Regardless, maybe of, it isn't know. Marley. Maybe it's someone else. But I like Marley a lot. Who knows? Maybe Marley will end up with Herbert. But no matter what, whether it's in Veermore or a tower somewhere, it's all the same foundation. We have to build it together. It's not just about Veermore. We all have to work together. Well, that I can agree with. We definitely need to work together in this. Right. To protect people. Yes. Like, like the people you have in Munchoya. Yep. And the people Herbert still has that he cares about. Mm-hmm. And the people Echo have. Who do you have? Well, I still have my family. They're just not here on this plane. They're still here. Wow, I don't know what the fuck to say to that. God damn, Josh. What? I, I mean, I think that's true. I, I mean, no, I guess yeah. that's too much of my own personal opinion, too. But no, I think no, no. I think, it's, I think it's good. I And and the trees and Amergen and everything in Yaddle and Lavinland 
every little snail and, and plant, especially the plants. All the people that aren't born yet, they're all family. We're all family in some way, even if we hate each other sometimes. Great. I guess that sounds a little hokey, but it is. No, early. it's not hokey and at we all. We just beat the I... shit out of each other for no real reason. <laughs> I uh, I just don't know how to respond to people who are honest, uh, completely honest with me. Well, I'm I'm actually quite. I mean, it's it's not easy for me either. I've I'm actually a very scared person, um, all the time. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty terrified. So. For me, it's all or nothing. I either say everything and just put it out there and it gets easier every time or I bottle it up and I just kind of fall back into this shell. And um, I'm not saying I'm the most courageous, but I've seen other people do that. I've seen people with courage. I've seen you guys use courage. And it's when you're absolutely terrified and you just put it out there anyway and you don't give a shit if it works or not. You just do it. So I'm trying to take lessons from you all because I definitely wasn't like that when I showed up. I was pretty scared in that library. I was just trying to play, act big. That Valor man scared the shit out of me. Well, we'll fix that. We will. I, th- I think with you all, we will. Um, I'm going to head back. This is done. <laughs> take the shields, you pluck the swords <laughs> from the roots, and... You head back to town. It's noon. <laughs> Echo sits in Arlo's room. Uh, yes! <laughs> mm-hmm. They are both in oversized, grayed, um, and overstuffed velvet armchairs across the room from each other. The makeshift wardrobe that the inn has provided is ramshackle and broken. It looks like Arlo has um, stolen some screws and materials from it for some strange purpose. Um, The window is wide open. The sort of transparent red curtains that are a bit too short for this window are billowing gently in the early autumn breeze. And Tegan who is a slender, tall tree of a man, um, is leaning against the wall next to Arlo, wearing makeshift black and brown armor um, with a sort of hempen holster at his side that that a longsword dangles from. He's got really voluminous, like, wild black hair, Um, under a brown hood and he looks very young in the face and naive in the way that big young men um, aren't aware of their own strength or presence quite yet and he is watching the two of you for a few moments and then says I'll leave Echo good to meet you Echo nods as you as well Arlo is dressed in just clothing for probably the first time you've ever seen her dressed like this. Um, Her armor is on an armor stand to her left-hand side. um, And despite sleeping it off, her uh, hair is still a bit wet from the spa day (laughs) from her time at the bathhouse the day before. And she seems a little bit vacant, a little bit slack-jawed. She seems to be hanging on your vision and waiting for you to speak first. Well, that was going to be my first question. I was like, what kind of body language am I getting here? Um, like, yeah, she seems 
tense, but you can't really see. There's not really a fear there. You know what I mean? That's that's what I think Echo's first look for is, is like, is she afraid? Yeah, she's not afraid. Because that would be like way more heartbreaking, I think, than anything else. Yeah. Um, I think literally for like 30 to 45 seconds, there's just silence. Like nothing is said. And Echo's like looking over at her armor. Which also, can I say how much I like the image now of Arlo is in like street clothes and Echo is in like full armor? Yeah. Oh shit, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like not not patchwork shitty armor, like this full wooden, beautiful armor. Right. She's wearing like a <laughs> my character's wearing this? What's your character wearing? Oh my god. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> She's wearing like basically a black jumpsuit. Why did you look at me? Because you're looking at me. Oh, I was just looking at you because I love you. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Wow. There's so many feelings going around in this episode. This is the feels yeah. episode. Yeah. So the silence is broken when Echo says, How was your spa day? It was relaxing. You look good in armor. And Echo kind of like stretches her arms. She's still kind of getting used to it. It's a little heavier than what I've been used to. You'll get used to it. And like on a glance at her armor, like it's metal, right? Yeah, it's metal armor. It's steel armor. But it's very like well form fitted and, and pretty thin. She says not wearing armor actually makes me feel light nowadays. Feel like you can float. Yeah. And um I think there's another heavy 30 seconds of nothing. And then Echo says, do you want to take a walk? Sure. I know a place. And Echo stands up. Okay, she walks with you. Definitely behind you. Yeah. The whole time. The whole time. (laughs) And uh, Echo leads her... Um, I think maybe just small talk that we don't have to fucking get into. Um, like people watching small talk. Yeah. That guy's hat. (laughs) Right. And, um, leads her to the mud pie place. Oh. Cute. Oh, it's a tin pan. It's a date. I've never actually been. Well, legitimately out of character, what I'm doing is, um, now she can't cause a scene. Oh. And neither can I. Oh, oh wow. Um, That's a subtly manipulative. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's just like, now I, she can't get away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I thought I was a manipulative no, 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 no. We're on neutral ground. <laughs> right, That's right. Fair. I'm not in her room That's talking fair. to her about heavy shit. Yeah. She's not in my space. We're in a neutral space. That's fair. Where it's like, we can't just like, it's, it's even. It's very grown up of you, Patrick. Sorry. I'll shut the fuck up. You guys get your mud pies and she gets a little tiny glass of milk and you guys sit down at one of the booths. Definitely not the drink milk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the fucking assassin from. uh... (laughs) No, um, she sits down. She says, I saw Dorian. 
Yes. We uh, we went and found him on um, Mantle's urging. Well, um, do you want to talk about it or? I think I think with that, Echo does kind of like. She just kind of looks at her kind of expectantly. Or do we want to talk about the other thing? I think we need to talk about both things. But which one would you like to talk about first? I'm sorry I didn't tell you why I was leaving or that I was leaving. I understand the apprehension there. I, I really do. Because it was not a decision that I took lightly, and it was something that I knew would alienate at least one person. Um, It was unfortunate that it was you, even if just in that moment, but I completely understand you walking away from that. So... I walked away because I didn't want to feel alienated. I don't right now. I didn't want to feel scared of you. And I don't. So I think it was a good decision for me, but not a good decision for you. I agree. I, I, because that was, that was my fear was that I was now this scary boogeyman monster to you. And I didn't want that. Even though I kind of am to a lot of people, this scary monster. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like you so much, actually, is is because you're like that. Um, Really, it's why I didn't tell you about Dorian, although I, I knew that telling you about Dorian would not really change anything. I guess that's, that is why. It's because I knew it wouldn't change anything. I wanted you to make your own decision. I didn't want to make one of the stories that I grew up reading happen. I wanted to let them happen if they would. And I wanted to see what it really felt like instead of just dramatizing it in my head. Well, Ego kind of like puts her fork down. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> and she says, I'm not angry at you for not telling me, but I'm not one of your stories, and neither is he. This is now, and these are the people around you, and that matters more than watching a story unfold. The story comes later. If you had told me where he was, if you had told me that he was alive, that would have just been part of the story. So, as I said, I'm not angry, but you need to worry about your story and not Anyone else's? I want my story to be everyone else's, though. And that's what I mean. I don't I don't want this to be 
something that's planned. And I definitely knew that if I were to tell you about him, it would have changed your mind to join the Watchtower in some capacity. Um, discouraged you or encouraged you. I wanted you to... I wanted you to want to be in the Watchtower because you wanted that. That's it. That's all that I meant. That guy was like playing with her food now with the fork. She's like just moving the pie around in the plate because it's pretty apparent by her face. She doesn't really know what to say to that. Hmm. But uh, after a moment, she does speak up and says, I understand. You should have told me. Because I had been alone for a long time. And I know that I didn't want to be found. I told Dorian that same thing when I met him. But I, I didn't have anybody. And then it would have been nice to know that he was out there because that would have been a whole new decision. Do I go find him or no? Apparently he was looking for me. So I don't know. There's something about that. Like why, if you know where both of those threads are, why not try to help connect them? When he left, he seemed like he was done. He seemed like he was over looking for you. And I went to let him move on, too. I mean, he looked for you for 13 years. Um, I remember growing up watching him look for you. Here and there, of course, he was still a watchtower captain, but... Hmm. How do we move on? Well, I mean, it seems obvious to me that I forgive you and you forgive me, or we don't. Well, I don't have anything to forgive you about. Well, she just kind of like shrugs like, that does mean something, and I, I thank you for that. Because I, I legitimately, I, I thought that I had made a pretty big mistake there. And sometimes I still do think that I made a mistake, even though part of me knows I did the right thing. Because she was gone no matter what. Right? She kind of nods. It's going to be tough. Tougher. Toughest. But you aren't alone now. You have Tegan and me. Tell me about Tegan. Right. Um, I suppose you haven't really met, met him um, properly. He is the grandson to the individual um, who unfortunately met their demise in Ghoul's Crest. Apparently he's been chasing us um, for quite a while and when we landed in Sunbeam, so did he. He's a good swordsman. Better than me. Which is a lot. Um, but 
I mean, to me, it's just another young innocent in the way, I think. <laughs> Although we all are, aren't we? How old is he? I think he's just turned 19. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) So he harbors no ill will towards us for turning his town upside down to get rid of these people? Seems like he's very concerned with the big picture, which is what we need. Yes, we do. We need all the allies we can get. And he could have some insight um, on what happened in Ghoul's Crest. Will he be at the meeting? I would sure hope so. He's Watchtower now. So he he could have, again, some corroboration on what happened in Ghoul's Crest. If it comes up, this, this whole meeting thing, I don't... I don't understand it. What do you mean? What is there not to understand? Oh my god... <laughs> I mean, this, that's, that's true. This is more Arlo shit. Yeah. And Echo, like, looks at him and goes, I'm basically a, a wild animal who now has to go sit in a meeting with, with kings and representatives. I don't know how to talk to these people. Ah. I don't know how to follow these rules. What? There are rules, right? Like, there are rules about who can talk and... There are indeed rules, but if you're concerned about being a wild animal, um, I suppose you haven't quite met King Quinn yet or seen him. No. It's going to be an absolute fucking zoo in there. (laughs) I'm so scared. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) She laughs out loud at the table and she says, well, I've, I've met Maxwell multiple times now and I, he's basically a wild animal. Hmm. I just, I'm, this is not what I'm good at. I'm good at finding a problem and stamping it out. I'm not good at talking about how we're going to stamp it out. Have you ever tried? A little, with E and Herbert and Gwydion. You haven't met Gwydion. No? Oh, shit. Yeah, Arlo's not met Gwydion. Oh, our numbers are growing. And uh, she tells Arlo, we picked Gwydion up. Yo, this homeless little naked gnome <laughs> and yeah, leaves started and following us around. We picked him up in a library. <laughs> we picked him up in a ghost library. <laughs> um, we picked him up in Greenwick. So I think... There's probably another small silence, uh, more comfortable this time, I think, because I think they've aired out a lot of their shit uh, as they eat the pies. And Echo Phylak looks up and then remembers and, like, gestures over to the table with the the stag head and the boar's head over it. And uh, she goes, it's Maxwell's table. Ah, so it is. I guess, uh... Fame campaigners can just lie claim to public property when they feel free fit, huh? Yeah, that's how it works. I think. Mm-hmm. Or you, they made that as a tribute. I don't know. I, hmm. Do you, uh... She, like, looks over and she goes, Do you know who the, the boar is? No, that symbol I don't recognize. I suppose it's one of Maxwell's friends. I mean, he, he had a lot of campaigners that he 
fought side by side with in the Pale Wars, some of them more documented than others. Um, it's actually one of the things I got to talk to him about um, on our on our ride uh, was, you know, the nature of what actually happened, you know, because it's 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 very hard to find any sorts of records about what truly happened that weren't dramatized or um, quick archival glances into certain events. So Dorian seems to not know a whole lot and he knows a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, he's where I learned most of it from, really. Um, I suppose you've already pieced that together. Yes. But I know that Alamander fought in the Pale War. Right. So that's unfortunate. Hmm. It's unfortunate that friends can ever turn into foes, I suppose. And um, I worry for for Mantle. I haven't heard anything. Usually she'll send a little clay bird my way, but it's been quite a long time. I'm worried for Lester. Hmm. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So she she sits there a little bit longer and then just says, "I'm I'm just glad you're not scared of me." <laughs> yeah, me too. It uh, it is, it's somewhat of a burden <laughs> to be scary all the time and to uh. To always be going after the next target. But if I stop being scary, then, you know, they're, they're going to get some kind of upper hand, right? Why do you think that? Because, I mean, if I stop being scary, then what? I'm just doing magic tricks. Do you actually believe that? In a way. Sort of. We just worked out some pretty big problems between each other in a matter of a few minutes while eating pies. They have to convince droves of people. They have to rally their forces and make weapons and perform subterfuge we just have to talk things out across the table you don't have to try so hard it just feels like a lot of pressure I think that's the running the running theme among our our crew is pressure well I can understand that I felt it before but There's times when you don't have to feel like that. You have not but two blocks away from you one of the greatest campaigners to ever walk the world, Maxwell. You've got a a band of strong allies. I'm not afraid at all to walk into that council meeting. 
I don't think that I don't think there's as great a risk as you think there is here. I mean, I'm scared for you. You're, you're the one who's fighting. I'm just talking and piddling around. But I think you've reached a point where you don't really have to try. It's not that hard. Everyone's trying together. You can let them carry that weight. I don't know. I'm always worried when people get confused about their own identity, you know. Echo, like, drops her shoulder and just, like, in the booth next to her, just kind of props up forget-me-not and just looks at Arlo. Yeah, she's looking at it. She's She's pretty entranced, yeah. She recognizes it? Yeah, for sure. So where? Greenwick. She gave it to me. So you burgled her tomb? No. She gave it to me. She kind of leans back and crosses her arms and says, Now that sounds pretty astounding. Now I'm now I'm really questioning um, your... Do you need some coffee or something? Almost always, but... It does sound astounding, but it is the truth. She gave it to me. And... She talked to us, and then she went to rest. Kind of gave me the feeling that this is the moment she's been waiting for. And is it really that astounding, knowing what we know of what she could do? I suppose not. I uh, grew up very pragmatically, so... Spirits and whatnot have always sort of astounded me to some degree, but. This is definitely something that we don't share. And I think right about now is when she's finishing her pie. Right. And um, she says, when it comes time in the meeting, it's, it's not going to be me doing the talking. It's going to be mostly you, and I'm sure Maxwell he has a lot of things to say, and uh, I'm just constantly surrounded by people who are better at talking than me. E. Herbert Gwydion, but I'll be there. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They, it's good to have that. And you can rely on them for that reason, but also you shouldn't forget that none of them are nearly as good at being Echo as you are. And Echo isn't all just about being mean and scary, I guess. That's all I'm trying to say. Then what what am I then? Well, you're certainly Echo, but I'm still trying to figure that out. But there's a lot. There's... Soft walks in the woods and stealing cheese and whispering to your own hair. Have you noticed that, huh? Yeah, I have. And that's fascinating and stories of their own right. And there's not a a real reason to have to portray a story that isn't necessarily all you or could even be untrue. Because I don't think you're that scary. I really don't. 
Um, Echo just kind of like smiles, and then you can see the smile falter a little bit. Arlo would see that. Like her brow furrows, and she says, There's somebody that's going to be in the meeting, and uh, I want to, to warn you. She looks around like, Can anybody hear? Is there anybody close by? There's a couple of patrons, yeah. I think they could hear us if I keep it low. No, probably not. Uh, I'm not sure about that. She says, "Okay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, man." <clears throat> she says, "I'll tell you on the walk back." Which, speaking of, are we are we done here? I think we are done. So, Ego stands up and puts her bow back on her back and uh, brushes off any crumbs. <laughs> And uh, then I guess we start walking back to the to the inn. Okay. And um, I'd say that when they get back, she uh, looks around like, "Is there anybody in the hallways here in the inn?" No, no, you're clear. Um. Finally taking note of their goddamn surroundings. Right. A little late, dude. Fucking finally. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And uh, she says to Arlo, I know that we want inherently to trust the, the Emerald Crown. Don't trust Valor. Are you familiar with Valor? No. You will be. And I just, I wouldn't trust him. And I would not dig into what he's doing. Just stay away from him. You've been letting E rub off on you a bit. I'm flattered. (laughs) How so? Oh, you know, just sneaking around and telling people not to trust each other. Well, how's this? I can tell you that he doesn't like me, Valor. And he doesn't like any of us. He doesn't like the Watchtower. Oh, you don't have to convince me to trust you. I just meant that it looks better on you than it does on E. She just, like, smiles a little bit and then just goes like, I guess. You know, he, as in Emerald Ether. He can be a real fucking idiot sometimes. But you know he's not all bad. I know. He's just working through some shit. He'll get there. As long as we don't fail <laughs> in all of this. Right. There. <laughs> you can hear her laughing and walking up the stairs away. And uh, Echo calls upstairs and says, I'll see you later. Bye, Echo. And Echo looks around now, kind of like snap back to reality, and then just goes like, where the fuck is everybody? And walks out the door. (laughs) It is before dawn. It is dawn. It is noon. It is afternoon. Herbert Quinn Carver has been working and moving all day. Day. Herbert, what have you been up to, man? So, now, um, Herbert, he gets up just early enough that he's basically awake before anybody else. Yeah, they're all asleep. But not 
so early that he can't wake them up without causing a problem because he's mm. going to borrow a couple of things from other people. Mm. Okay. And okay. we'll just like, as long as y'all are okay with it, I'm just basically going to pull some shit from y'all's inventory. That's fine. He's but dead. I, to the I don't want to like make uh. lists right now. I don't, there's no need for that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, anyways, gets what he needs, heads out into town just before daybreak, goes out, like, say, picks up a fresh pouch of like tobacco and some rolling papers. Maybe like a bottle of like real dark black strap rum, um, and like a pretty nice incense bundle, you know. And then immediately makes a beeline for the tower and starts looking for Rupert. Oh, Ooh, good shit. call! This is getting I've, oh so dramatic. I forgot Rupert was alive. Uh, he's a person. I have a quick oh question. He, he is a tool that we have in our toolkit. <laughs> Did you take anything from Echo's inventory? Yeah. <laughs> take this bow. Because whatever you took, I think you go in there to take it, and she sits up, mm-hmm. and then just like, okay, just, uh, all right, and goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> took, her, took her nose. <laughs> well, got Cult, your nose. Caught your nose. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I'll bring it back. Do you need oh the ring? God. Huh? Do you need the ring? Maybe. I'm just like, as long as y'all are like yeah, okay yeah, with me just picking like choosing from your inventory for a yeah. little bit, because I mean like, yeah, if she's it's like yeah. you need the ring. I, I think you you probably said that to her, right? Yeah, and she just like and just takes it off yeah. and like lays it down. Yep. What is that ring called? Uh, it didn't have a name. I think Ring of Transmogrification. Something like that, yeah. It's a transmogrifier. All right, yeah, you, you're making your way down red, blue, and green um, velvet rugs like underneath these giant chandeliers escorted by these two um, elven armored folk with ranciers and you get to Rupert's office and they sort of like stand guard outside um, and here you are here's Rupert with his little tiny cute little spectacles and his, and his red vest and uh, he's got his legs kicked up on the desk he says oh yes how can I help you um yeah so uh, you're our retainer correct yes so um I can probably have you pretty busy today. Okay. Well, the... I mean, like, not necessarily you personally, but I, it's like I'm going to need various things throughout the day. Right. Well, let's get to it. What, what do you need? And uh, I think like Herbert like a, just pulls a sheet of paper all like off of his uh, desk or whatever and like pulls out like a, you know, uh, writing utensil. And he's like, I'm going to need this and this and this um, just for now. Um, try and get this to me, you know. Preferably with the next couple of hours. We can do that. And uh, a couple of things that I'm looking for right off the rip um, are some things from Gertrude's very good gear, specifically small sections of like samples of wood. Okay. Um, and information for like Gertrude looking for something that is conductive. Hmm. Ooh. Right. Also, uh, I can't remember the name, uh, but uh, the one that Gertrude didn't much care for, uh, the mechanist. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, something from him. Basically like a long, thin, golden needle. Okay. Right? I'm like, following. Okay. So just starting off, like, you know, this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in that uh, that room that you set aside for me. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, Herbert's going to head that way. Okay. So, yeah, Rupert will start getting, like, as soon as you're out of the door, he's, like, snapping fingers at people and, like, come on, you know, like, Hell moving yeah. around and stuff. Um, 
so yeah, you get into this sort of uh, forging area. I think you've been in here before. Briefly. Right? Briefly. It has like two anvils and it's like very like uniform and mm-hmm. it's it's almost like weirdly clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you are in. Well, it's not going to be for long, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So uh, tell me tell me a little bit about like what the look like of this room is. Like, is it like kind of long or rectangular? Is it like oval? Is it square? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of furniture do I have in here? Yeah, it's perfectly square. It's it's definitely like very utilitarian in the function that this is a crafting room. There's no furniture. There's just these like two stripped down um, looking really bare like steel anvils on the left hand or right hand side. The whole room is sort of this big square. Um, there's a lot of room, but most of that is taken up by tables. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, you've got the the row of of utensils between the anvils that are like crafting and forge tools, but nothing is mm-hmm. um, delicate or specific as like your your tinkering tools that you carry yeah. with you. Okay. So, yeah. uh, but there is like a forge in the corner and it's like reasonably well vented. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, how's the door look? The door's pretty sturdy. It's, okay, cool. it's just like a, a really thick wood with like steel beams mm-hmm. bolstered into it, to it. It's one of those double layered like dungeon style doors. Okay. So starting off, you know, like, and it's still just barely like becoming day. Right. Um, Herbert immediately starts getting to work to like making this his space for his <laughs> stint in Sunbeam because he's got a lot to do. Okay. Um, including maybe switching out a couple of the, uh, the tables for bookshelves or okay. shelving in general. Okay. And uh, once he starts getting in that in there, he starts like, unpacking all of his kits and like putting things on shelves and everything like within areas um I think that he goes so far as like the tables that are still in there like flipping them and cutting the legs to where he can stand over them and like sit at like very (laughs) low stools in front of him right yes cutting everything down and uh you know, you can just like imagine like Herbert like on a stool that's like so low to the ground that his knees are almost touching, you know, but has enough like reach over the table that he can reach every corner and every table is like that. Yeah. Um, so he starts to lay everything out. Um, so, yeah, once he's pretty comfortable with like all the furniture they're in there, I think that he even like takes a little bit of extra time and like rearranges it a couple of times. Like, just trying to get it just right. Mm. And I think one of the things that I want to, like, put out there is he puts on, like, the bookshelves where he's going to be storing things uh, on the wall opposite where the door would open. So that way, he takes one of his uh, pinions from his delve kit and nails it into the ground, but works it to where it can be, like, pulled and, like, you know, basically as a door stopper. Yeah. To where he could crack the door, but nobody would be able to force it open. Mm. Right? Mm. And that's that's basically how he's going to, like, uh, talk to the people that are, like, coming and going. It's like, I need this, I need this, you know, going yeah. through it, but not ever having to open the door fully. And once he gets to that point of comfort, I think that he immediately starts throwing coal into uh, the forge and starts stoking that fire, like, lights a couple of sticks of incense and, like, going at it. Hell maybe, yeah. Maybe even, like, taking that lantern of Czar and, like, hanging it. With a pinion up in the corner of the room. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like shedding light, mm-hmm. mixing with the firelight, too, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This is reminding me of the axe of another uh, gnome. At least the doorstop thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're meticulous people. 
Yes. <laughs> they are. Hmm, that's interesting. Gnomes. Interesting. Gnomes. Gnomes V-Squad. They're pretty fucking cool. <laughs> All right, man. I'm pretty blown away by this fucking badass montage you just gave me, but what's next? Do you okay, so uh, the gold needle. I'm assuming at this point I have the gold needle. Right. Yeah, you have the supplies you asked for, like, especially by the time you get the conditions for the room just right, are in your possession, like wrapped up in paper, like given to you. Yeah. Perfect. I think the first thing he's going to start fucking with is that gold needle, though. Um... Now, when he holds it between his fingers, can't he send, like, his holy energy just straight through it, like, zap? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, just um, thick enough and resonant enough to do that. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, first things first, like, making sure that he's got that fire nice and hot. Um, he's going to pull out all of those vials of Shadow Wicker. Do tell. Justin. (laughs) Justin, stop. Justin watching her like pour it all over his fucking body. Justin, no. Let's see where this goes. As he drinks the entire bottle of rum. No. Hell yeah. That's Um, my kind of story. No, he's he's gonna set them out on like uh, on you know like vial beaker holders, Mm. and then like one by one, he's gonna take that long golden needle and force it through the cork into the vials, and then just eliminate all the shadow wicker in every vial. And since the forge is nice and hot, it doesn't even, like, bother trying to clean them. He just throws the vials in the fire. Whoa. Just getting rid of it. Yeah. Right? Does all that. Um, and at that point, I think that he starts messing around with the different woods after he's finished with all that. Okay, yeah. Like maybe a little bit of weeper wood, you know, trying to see how it works, if it's flexible, you know. And I'm sure, you know, probably, like, small dowels is what he's gotten, you know. And seeing if, if it feels right, you know, going through all that. And I think that he finally settles us on something. He's like, you know, knowing, yeah, this is probably going to work the best. And uh, he lays out, like, his plans for Emerald's hand, the new hand. So Puts it on the table. And he starts, like, cutting through the pieces of wood and, like, laying inlays and all this. And, like, putting everything out on the table and... To the point where he could start assembling it. Right. I think it's like, yeah, the the display of it is literally like matching up to the blueprints. Is that what I'm imagining? I mean, that's what I'm imagining. So oh, yeah. Imagining? Essentially, like, he, like he's, he's the hand laid out. He's gone through and like basically like a large sheet of butcher paper has just like drawn out each of the pieces and how they're going to look and how they're going to fit together. Right, right. So that way he can make the pieces out of the like wood. And he goes ahead and orders like, you know. Loftwood of uh, certain dimensions, you know, a certain thickness, you know, so that way you can start putting the pieces together. Yeah. And uh, he works on that for a while. He's like, okay. And kind of gets like the layout of like what looks like the skeleton of a hand just out of Loftwood, right? Oh, fuck. So cool. Um, hasn't quite figured out how the wrist is going to work mm-hmm. or how it's going to affix to E's hand, but he has some ideas and he starts playing around with it. Um, but before he really gets into that, he takes, like, say, a s- section of, you know, the, uh, the hand bones going all the way down to the tips of the finger and, like, has it all connected and worked together. And he inlays, like, dialium throughout the side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And sees, that, like, if he can figure out how to, even with just his own powers, make it articulate without having to have any, like, wires or rope or anything like that. Mm. I think that not having wires and ropes is really like the the trigger there because you could actually probably put the dialium along certain sections of of 
like wire or rope and then have like little pulleys for each knuckle. I think he figures that out, but like it's pretty evident halfway trying to like mess around with that idea that, that, um, wires and ropes and stuff like you can't do that right with a fighter yeah they're gonna fucking snap he can't just Mm -hmm. open his whole hand up and replace it every time so man i think he struggles with this yeah Um, i mean like it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around especially something that's going to take like impact yeah i know i am um roll wit Sorry, I was so deep in the fiction there, I forgot I was GMing for a second. Yeah. I was just like, you're right, dude. How is he going to figure that out? <laughs> okay, well, that's a nine. Okay. I think you come through with sort of a compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way the knuckles work, like, you can glide gaps of worn wood, like weeper wood or luff wood or whatever's being used for that frame to sort of, like, curve the energy from one joint to the next Mm -hmm. and i think like with like ball bearings of diallium basically which is dangerous already because he's got to like go into the forge and like chip away at this get it to a certain heat and chip it away and smooth it away until it's actually a marble Mm -hmm. um but that's that's i think like that's that's the choice that seems most Mm self-evident the problem is that it's not a rope, so it can't break. But once in a while, one of those marbles might lodge loose or jam up the hand. Mm-hmm. So there's that sort of risk there. Um, he could probably do that. He could make that. Or he could go somewhere and try to find an answer in the city about, like, this quote-unquote equation, right? Of, like, something else you could do, a different methodology. But, man, I don't know how long that okay. would take. Well, knowing that, I think that he takes a pause for a little bit. Okay. Sits down at his stool and uh, pours like a tall glass of like this rum just to sip on and nothing like that. Maybe mixes with like, you know, equal parts of water, mm. you know, making grog. Essentially. Right. right. Um, and then he starts smoking and pouring over those books that he pulls down from the shelves about the, uh, the Athaki golems. And starts like pouring through those and seeing like, okay, well, this one's a bit of a bigger bruiser, you know, maybe this is how it's supposed to work. And like looking for ones that didn't necessarily just have like an elbow with a log on the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and uh, trying to figure out how that works and like really thinking about like what he knows about, you know, anatomy. Yeah. Which isn't a huge, huge amount. Not as like versed in it as say like E, you know, or like E's father that Chris Herbert doesn't know. <clears throat> oh, we all might. Oh, wait. No, well, yeah. Well, uh, I guess you wouldn't know. Yeah. Really anything about him. Yeah. So, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, starts pouring through that, and, uh, you know, maybe he, like, steps out and goes, like, and talks to, like, the mechanist, and, like... Right, right. You know? And, of course, I, I imagine that, like, uh, he has the same similar reaction from the mechanist of the idea of mixing wood and, and metal that he got from... Uh, from Gertrude. Yeah, I love that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he gets through most of this bruiser issue. Like, like we're looking at the, the Thaki manuscripts and stuff and, like, looking at the larger ones. Um, and he does find one that's, like, more of a, of a bruiser, right? But you see, like, the way they use the marbles, they – there's, like, this whole – because they did come to the same conclusion. They'll use, like – the diallium marbles like that yeah. but you can see that they like retract into the wrist and there's just some sort of mechanism that like keeps them secure and releases them from the wrist like a, a, a some sort of pressure mm-hmm. um 
and like you can copy it easy like you figured it out mm-hmm. but you'll definitely have to take a trip to the mechanist for that for sure okay. um so is that where you go yeah yeah he's gonna step out and like kind of like you know bounce ideas back and forth off of him oh, okay yeah mm-hmm. i just didn't know if you want to go in if you want to zoom in on that scene or not uh, i mean like we could but like, I don't think either one of us know enough about engineering to be able to have that <laughs> Absolutely. conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think you at least meet him. We can at least go over that because that's interesting. He's just like, he's not what you expected. Mm-hmm. Like, because you. Yeah. Figured, tell me about him. Like, what you know? Figured you. He's a fucking dwarf, you know. But you walk in and you see like he's in this recess where this massive. Uh, um, yo, did I forget the name for? I did. What's it called? Anvil. Wow. I kept wanting to say anchor. And I was like, that's not a fucking anchor. This massive anvil. And like he's down in this with like wearing armor on and sweating with this huge, long black and silver beard. And you like approach him and it almost feels like there's this sense of reverence from the other workers of the forge. Mm-hmm. And you go down in this like dip and you actually meet him at this this anvil and like face to face in this heat surrounded by like a ring of fire work this out like you guys shape the metal and mold it um not speaking a lot i I would imagine between Mm. each other because he does seem very stoic um just atop this anvil so you get this device back and it works like you know this is this will this will work for that function but now your hands are like fucked up and burnt and scarred um like you're in a lot of pain man oh no that's fun so that's where the nine shines through, but mm-hmm. you, you've you got it. You've got it done. Okay. So. This is fucking intense, dude. I'm for Takes it back. Yeah. <laughs> takes it back. Uh, probably finishes off his, like, glass of grog that he left behind. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, probably, like, blesses himself to try and, like, get his hands back in working mm-hmm. condition. Absolutely. Damn. Yeah. Um. And then, like, so he's got basically the skeleton or skeleton of this hand, and then he starts to wrap it with the mithril. Oh, shit. Right? Oh, my God. I'm and, hyped. Yeah. So he figures out, and and then it's like, okay, so it should attach like this. I, I imagine at some point, I believe Herbert did get some, like, measurements off of E. I think it was. I like, think so. Like in the caverns underneath uh, yeah. the Green Relic Library. I remember, I remember you guys doing that. Yeah. 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 So he already has that. So he starts working on it. Like it's like okay. So this is how we're going to attach it. And he makes sure to me like have enough of the mithril like to where it, it isn't just like right on the wrist, but the the mithril kind of comes up as like almost like a full gauntlet across Fuck his yeah. arm. Yeah. Right. Um. Starts working on that, and of course, it's going to have to be tried out. Like a little bit later, he's going to have to come in and see if it works, so on and so forth. So I think he sets that down for now. Hmm. Um, so one of the things that he borrowed, this is uh, specifically from E, oh was that stack of uh, missives and reports mm. about Jones. Oh, you cool. have that with you? Yes. Oh shit! Awesome. And uh, I think that he's going to, like, go through and, like, just take out a random one of, like, a certain age and then, like, start, like, playing with it. He's trying to, like, look at it in the light. You know, he's going to scrape some of the ink off. Like, he's really trying to break down, like, you know, what kind of ink are they using over there? Like, what kind of paper is this? What's the age look like? Holy shit. Very nice. Very good. Holy shit. 
Okay, yeah, you find out all of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing you discover, like through the process of closely examining this, is that in case there is any doubt in your mind, these are authentic, original copies of the archivist's work that made these these reports. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know that these are legit, and you know that if you have the originals, there's probably no copies. Mm-hmm. Like, this paper is it. So, I think he learns that, too. But he also learns, in particular, like, how the aging works, how the inks work, what, what sort of parchment it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he learns all that stuff. Okay. This is fucking crazy. All right. Um, so, I think he, after he's gone through that for a little while... I think that it clears his table off, settles in for a little bit. And I imagine at this point, it's probably, God, it's noon. Or what, what time do you think it would be after, like... Man, at this point, especially moving the furniture in, I mean, you're hauling ass, but I would say it's probably a little later than noon. Mm-hmm. Like, early afternoon, like one, two, maybe three. Okay. Okay. So, I think with the, uh, the parchment kit that he borrowed from Echo... Oh, yeah. He starts going through and trying to, like copy these oh shit as best as he can like you okay. know like the seals on it like like if there's any sort of like you know you have like when you have something um notarized and they have the uh, the stamp mm-hmm. that like raises mm-hmm. the paper if there's anything like that he's doing his best to try and copy it okay hmm. i think yeah the biggest problem of that is the archivist seal which is like you can tell purposely designed to be complex with these like interlacing circles around each other and like sort of this um, sparkle of soft green ink um, or wax rather. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's very difficult. Um, well, then I think that he would uh, concentrate on that. If that's the most difficult thing that he's going to spend most of his time figuring that out. Just looking at it, you're going to have to make it. Um, roll win. Yes. Yo, this is fucking good. Madeline, are you are you good over there? Yeah, I'm you're like, fucking hyped. You're really cheerleading over there. You're like, yeah. go get him, fucker. Yeah. Strat. <laughs> ah. I rolled a one, so two. Drat. Strat. Fucking shit. Double dude. drat. <laughs> Triple dude, that's not drat. good, man. Um, so uh, immediately, like, the thought of making this, like... You're going to have to make the actual brand. Um, you start going about that process, like melting metal, like trying to find the right metal that matches up to the grains of where the wax um, melted. And you you do you do like make a, a stamp. You have a fucking stamp. Right. But when you're moving and, and shaping it along with the wax and trying to get that exact um exact symbol as the metal's cooling and like then etching it like it just gets fucked up um i think you also do burn the original copy of at least this report a bit Mm -hmm. it's not completely ruined but it definitely looks like disheveled um you have a stamp but it's rough it could pass as long as the person reading it is like either distracted or like yeah i it's rough okay well that's not good enough, so he just throws it in the crucible. Oh, my God. <laughs> in, the, in the forge and just, like, melts it down. Yeah. I think that looking at it and it's just a first attempt. You know, he's not too terribly worried about it because he can do it again. He's not starting from scratch. He's just starting again with experience. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so he's not terribly worried about it. Um, and he just kind of, like, 
puts that all back in order, puts all the, the sheets of paper, including like his, I think the, like his one, like his couple attempts to copy, he just throws them straight in the fire. Yeah. And then just puts the, uh, the letters and the missives, like bundles back up, puts them on the shelf and, and away. Um, and I think at that point, cause it's like getting a late afternoon. He hasn't heard from anybody. He hasn't even like gone out to eat or nothing. Right. Since like before daybreak, he's just been drinking rum and smoking cigarettes. Hell yeah. You know, like Herbert do a man's man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's what makes you a man's man. It's, yep. It's just, mm-hmm. if you have issues, it. horrible shit, if the yeah. majority of your calories come from black strap rum. So like you're you're like packing everything up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like it. Uh, he's, at this point, he's probably got a little frustrated, like with a with like his attempts at uh, at these missives and so on and so forth. So he's just kind of like putting them away and like starting to pack up the parchment kit and all that. While you're packing up all the parchment, I think uh, you probably would have seen it the first time, but not really noticed it. Mm-hmm. That um, below, like at the bottom, underneath all the blank parchment, looks to be like doodles and drawings. Because mm-hmm. this is Echo's kit, right? Okay, yeah. So it would just be full of drawings and doodles that she's done. It's cute. And um, the one on top probably didn't stand out at all because mm-hmm. it looks like it's just the sunbeam skyline. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just Sunbeam. I think that, like, Herbert probably, like, thumbs through them, like, admiring, like, Echo's, like, little bit of artistry. Because that's not a side that he ever gets to see, really. Yeah. All right. So then here's what you see. Mm -hmm. Um, You see the Sunbeam skyline kind of, like, scribbled almost, but pretty, Mm -hmm. like, you can see the three towers. Like, you know it's Sunbeam. And, um... You flip through and you're seeing just like random flowers and trees mm-hmm. and uh, you get to a doodle of a pair of scissors. Ugh. Yeah. Um, a drawing of uh, two. It's just eyes. Mm-hmm. Just opalescent eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, a drawing of a frog. Yeah. And you recognize it. Yeah. Finn. His whole fan. It's Finn. Whole fan. Um, a, a drawing of what could only be the crystal sword. Oh, that's fun. Uh, a drawing of one eye mm-hmm. with a fate mark in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that would stand out to Herbert is a drawing of a ship. Oh, yeah? And it's just like there's a ship, and then below it is what appears to be on the ship. Mm-hmm. And you just see silhouettes of people, mm-hmm. and standing above them is a gnome mm-hmm. with his arms so, raised. So this is like the, the scene from Echo's Dream? Yeah. So mm. very cool. I think that like Herbert sees that, and like, like his heart almost like skips a beat. Oh. You know, like, oh, fuck. So, like, maybe that's a conversation that he's going to have to have, because that's a very intimate moment of Herbert's, like, that particular year. Written underneath it is um, is a little, it's not a caption, but it just says, talk to Herbert, and it's underlined, like, mm-hmm. three times. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. We'll have to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cool. Um, and this is, uh, I feel like I'm drawing this out a lot. There's like lots I could like potentially do with a, like a working workshop now. Yeah. Um, I think that like once he gets that away, like he pauses for a moment, realizes how hungry he is, but he's going to kind of like push through it. Um, and then maybe pulls out his bat and starts to go to work, like carving in it again. Mm, with his tools. Right. And uh, continue to lay out like these uh, murals and such of like, you know, the seven divine across the, you know, the different faces of this bat. Cause I imagine it, it's not like cylindrical. It's like has faces. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like going through and doing that. And uh, I think we could just like leave it off there. Like if we want to pass it on. Yeah. I, I mean, if that's all the work that, that is done in that, that, point i mean for herbert that he had about what, to uh, do about what time is it at this point i think it's approaching early evening so like the sun is going down the crows from autumn have sort of swooped into the alleys and uh walls and crevices and nooks of the city and are pecking at the cobblestones and the the sort of embedded river stones you can see that the the ones the sort of transparent ones from last night are starting to glow just a bit now as as the mist is rolling up over the northern mountain and into the the city like a bowl um, once more. It is about the same time that Weddell indicated to um, like when your meeting should take place. Mm-hmm. Um, the same for you, E. I believe that yeah. the same sort of time, the same sort of um, location, <laughs> same time, same place, boyos. Um, Team meeting. That that well, time yeah. is starting to uh, come close. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he's got nothing else to do, then. That would be his next stop. Okay. If he has nothing else to do. Well, no, if it's getting close, I mean, like, he, that is, he is interested in doing that. Mm. So, like, that's, would be next on his agenda. Keep an eye on that, uh, that crimson pocket watch, you know, like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, I'm assuming, pack up most of your carry belongings and head out yeah, of just the like offices. A light pack and then probably, like, keeps that Athaki quick seal on his hip and then, like, seals in the door. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's um, cool. Okay, yeah. yeah, you do that. But that's a that's a quick seal use. I'm going yeah. to mark that one down. Yeah. By the way, uh, for all these materials, if you just want to, like, uh, once we get off air, you want to tell me how much all of that costs, just let me know. Yeah, we'll work that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Um, Your character sheet is so clean. I'm aware. <laughs> I have a really nice eraser. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you uh, make your way um, through Shimmer Garden. You swear for a second between these, like, old alabaster pillars that you spot the green coat of emerald on the far, far um, western side, the opposite end of these gardens, and you are. There are gardens inside the city themselves with these sort of, like, raised um, overhangs that are, in fact, like reachable by sets of small stairs where like the garden falls into layers of like stone shelves and they all sort of surround each other and form this sort of labyrinth of um of multi-floored like moss and vine gardens and flowers all sort of interspaced with these um and speckled with like remnants of or full statues of many people you don't recognize but some that you like know on an intimate level like maxwell Mm -hmm. um 
and they appear to be, I guess, people that are important, not necessarily as like held in high regard or reverent campaigners, but people that are actually important to the city itself, which is interesting. And uh, eventually you sort of wandering about here, um, you turn the corner and you spot Weddle with his like red and silver beard, um, those big orc tusks shining prominently from underneath his hood. And he sort of has a, a thin staff in the crook of his arm and he turns to you and you guys meet eyes and he says, all right, I'll tell you about Alamander. Our tale continues next time. Oh, Ooh, spicy. Spicy. Good shit. Spicy.